following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, we, um, we are beginning a new series this morning. We finished up our work in the letter to, uh, to Timothy, 1 Timothy. Um, and as you may recall, if you've been around long enough, We've been working our way through the letters of the Apostle Paul in, in the approximate order in which they were delivered. Um, and we're down to the last two, uh, Titus and Second Timothy. And we're going to work through Titus in the next few weeks. Um, it's only three short chapters and hopefully on to Second Timothy after that. So if you would uh, turn with me to... The book of Titus, and that's page 998 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, all the T's are together, Thessalonians, Timothy, and Titus, right in a row there. Not in order chronologically, but uh, that's all right. So before we get too far, let's pray, and then we'll get to work. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word this morning together as a family. We pray that your spirit would speak to us through it, that you would guide our study in this letter. Um, and though it was a letter that Paul wrote to Titus, um, we know that it's a, a letter that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have written yourself to your church. Um, so we pray that you would open our eyes to see what you have for us and open our ears to hear it and soften our hearts to receive it and apply it. We love you, Lord. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, so the scholars have broken down the letters of Paul into three groups. The early group, the middle group, and the late group, which is handy. Uh, makes sense, doesn't it? Um, but there is more that separates these groups um, than just the timing in which they were written. Uh, the early set of letters um, we have worked through before. Um, well, I say we, there's some of us that have been around long enough. Uh, remember Galatians and Thessalonians. It, it might be just me and Andrew. Um, but, <laughs> um, so these early letters were written to help establish the young churches in the gospel. These letters were written to brand new baby churches uh, that needed to be established in their understanding of the gospel uh, and its implication in their lives. And that's Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, Corinthians, and Romans. That took us like two years to get through or more, I think. We might have been on Romans for an entire year all by itself. Um, but the reason that uh, we started doing this work and started with those letters is because that's exactly what Crossroad Church was at that time. We're baby church, just a few people here. Um, most of you weren't, um, and we needed to be established in our understanding of the gospel and its implication in our lives. So that's exactly why we started there. Um, incidentally, um, there's a, a little... Uh, um, smartphone app time hop you're familiar with that uh and it pops up and shows you a picture or something of what's happened on this date over however many years you've had whatever social media junk you have um 
Well, for me this morning, uh, popped up um, six years ago, was six years ago, was uh, my installation service as a pastor at Crossroads. So that's pretty fun. Um, we weren't Crossroads Church then. Actually, I was installed at Osby Valley Bible Church, um, which um, died shortly thereafter. <laughs> we started over again. <laughs> so we hadn't started our way through uh, through um, these letters yet. So um, we'll have to wait another uh, two or three weeks before we can celebrate the birth. But anyway, I don't. Uh, anyway, that was not in the notes. But but pretty cool. Anyway, yeah, there's a freebie. So. All right, the first first set of letters helping to establish young churches in the gospel. This, the middle set of letters were written from prison, from a Roman prison, and we call them prison epistles. Uh, yeah, how about that? These were letters written to churches for instruction and exhortation and, in some cases, rebuke. Um, they were designed to instruct the churches uh, on God's mission for the church and his purpose for the church and how the churches were to participate in that mission. So those are the letters of uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Um, and so we started work on the last set of Paul's letters, um, which are called the pastoral epistles. Um, and if, you, if you've forgotten... Uh, an epistle is not the wife of an apostle. It's a, it's a letter. Um, it doesn't have to be written by an apostle to be an epistle, but it's a, just a, it's a letter. And we're, we're just trying to sound churchy, so we say epistle instead of letter. That's all. That's really it. So these, uh, these prison epistles were uh, letters written to churches, again, for instruction, exhortation, and in some cases, rebuke. Um, whoops, I forgot. I distracted myself. We're talking about uh, pastoral epistles. Uh, prison epistles were for instruction and rebuke. The pastoral epistles are First Timothy, Titus, and Second Timothy. And that's the order they went. It was very tempting just to go First Timothy, Second Timothy, but um, that's not the order um, that they were delivered in. And after Second Timothy, we don't hear any more from the Apostle Paul in Scripture. Um, Paul was an old man when he wrote these letters. He was finishing his course. And he was completing the task given to him by the Lord Jesus. And now he was passing the torch on to other reliable men who would in turn teach others. Um, that's the pattern that Scripture gives us. Now, I don't, um, I don't want you to think, well, we started with the, the early set because we were a baby church and needed to be established in the gospel. And then we went through the middle church, middle letters, and we're much more established and starting to participate in God's mission for the church and be instructed on that. And now we're into the pastoral epistles where Paul is passing the torch onto other guys. Uh, so my instruction for you this morning is don't panic. <laughs> Uh, we're not, uh, I don't believe, following that pattern um, today at least. <clears throat> so, 
So, um, the scholars believe that the letter to Titus was written only just a few months after the first letter to Timothy, which is why we're going to look at it before 2 Timothy. And 2 Timothy is Paul's farewell note to the church and to life, basically. So, that's why we'll end with that. Um, so, like we have done before, we have to try to get our uh, try our best to get a handle on who this letter was written to and what its purpose was before we can try to attempt and apply it to our own lives, because the scripture can never mean what it never meant. There's no uh, there's no codes in here. If I look at the 17th letter in each verse through Isaiah and Malachi, then I figure out some secret recipe for good frosting. You know, it's not, it's, uh, it's difficult to find good frosting. Um, they say there are no codes like that in scripture. That's not the purpose of the Bible. And those that say that sort of stuff are just trying to sell books. Um, we don't need to worry about that. But there's also the concepts in a scripture can never mean what they never meant. We can't, uh, we can't imagine that Paul meant something other than what he said, clearly. Um, Jesus didn't mean something other than what he said, clearly. Um, so we can't, we can't try to imagine other meanings that aren't really there. The application to scripture is infinite because our situations and our context is infinite possibilities. So the application can fit anyone anywhere, but the meaning is fixed. It only means what it means. It only means what it's always meant. Uh, and we have to take that meaning and apply it to our own lives. Um, so what do we know about the letter? Well, we know who wrote it. Uh, don't worry, we're going to get to the actual letter. Um, don't, don't panic. Um, we know that the letter was written by the Apostle Paul. We know that for certain. Um, because you'll hear it in the introduction. That was not added in later. Um, Paul says exactly who wrote the letter. And we know that it was written to Titus. That's also in the introduction. Uh, and we know where Titus was when he received the letter. He was on the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean Sea, just south of Corinth. I even put a map. Look at that. So Crete is the island right in the middle. Um, can you read that okay in the back? Um, just, just south of Greece, um, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Okay? I don't. I don't need a laser pointer. That's Crete right there. See? We couldn't have church if we didn't have a screen and a laser pointer. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's where it is. That's where Titus was, uh, on that island. Um, Paul himself had planted the churches in Crete um, on the island, but he didn't stay long after that work was done. Um, but he left his emissary, Titus, uh, to complete the work of establishing the churches. Okay? I don't have any more slides than that. So You'll also find that map probably in the back of your Bible as well, or one similar to that. Uh, we'll show you where Crete is. But who is Titus? It's a, it's a guy. Well, we know that. He's a dude. 
Um, Titus, oddly, isn't mentioned in the book of Acts. His name is not recorded in Acts, which is strange because everybody, everybody's name is in the book of Acts. Um, that was to work in the church and worked with Paul. Um, but Titus didn't get that honor. Some scholars, this is just a theory, but some scholars believe that Titus was actually Silas. But Silas is also called Silvanus, and if somehow you smoosh those two names together, you get Titus, obviously. Um, that was interesting reading this week because uh, the, the math is easy in debunking that idea. Titus is not Silas because we know that Silas was Jewish and we know that Titus was Greek. Um, that's, uh, Titus is a Gentile, and that was recorded in Galatians chapter 2, verse 3. Um, Titus did not have to um, submit to circumcision. If he's an adult, if he's any older than eight days old and Jewish, he would have already been circumcised, but that wasn't the case. So we know that he was a Gentile. It's widely believed that he was led to Christ by Paul. Uh, Paul calls him his true son in But as the, is the case with all Christians, he was also his brother. Paul referred to him as a brother in 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. So although Titus didn't make the book of Acts, he did, um, his name is mentioned in, in other books, uh, and got a letter, uh, with his own name on it. Galatians and 2 Corinthians, uh, and Titus. Uh, Titus was with Paul and Barnabas when they went to the Jerusalem Council to decide whether or not Gentile believers needed to be circumcised to be Christians, and that's recorded in Acts 15, uh, 1 through 4. Though Titus wasn't mentioned in Acts, Paul says that Titus did go with them uh, if you read Galatians 2, 1 through 3. If you're taking notes on all this, there'll be a test. We know that Titus was with Paul in Ephesus, and he brought him comfort and good report from the church in Corinth. Um, that's where Titus spent most of his time working, was in Corinth. Uh, he then, um, after that, volunteered of his own accord to go back to Corinth to take up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem that were suffering from a severe famine. Uh, he also delivered that letter that we call Second Corinthians. He was the one entrusted with that, with carrying that letter. Paul called him his partner and fellow helper in that letter in 2 Corinthians 8, 23. The last, uh, the last reference to Titus in Scripture, um, or at least uh, reference to his whereabouts, are in 2 Timothy 4.10, uh, right to the very end, where Paul is left all alone. Um, Paul says that Titus went on to Dalmatia, I think, I don't know what color the dogs are there, but I think they're white with black spots. Maybe. Um, <laughs> he went to Dalmatia, which is in modern day Croatia. Uh, so we get a picture here that the gospel is reached beyond just Jerusalem and Greece. Um, um, Croatia is quite a, quite a ways off from there. And church tradition, though scripture doesn't say so, uh, the church tradition holds that Titus eventually returned, uh, to the city of Gortina. Um, just say it with confidence, it doesn't matter if you're right. Gortina on the island of Crete, and he died at a ripe old age of 94. 
I, I don't know how they got that. But uh, you, whoop. on the map, Gortina is on Crete. So he went back to the, back to the island uh, and retired there. Um, what is interesting about the letter to Titus is that the letter was not just written for Titus, and which is kind of how we look at all of Paul's letters, uh, all of the pastoral epistles. But this letter uniquely was also for the church um, in Crete as a sort of uh, apostolic endorsement of Titus, um, of Titus' authority as a minister of the gospel there. Uh, though the letter is addressed to Titus, um, it it uh, was also speaking to the church that this is the man who has been entrusted with the work of setting things in order. So listen to him. Um, the introduction to this letter in the um, uh, English Standard Version Study Bible says, "This pastoral letter from Paul to Titus was intended to offer encouragement and wisdom." as Titus endured ongoing opposition from the ungodly and from legalists within his congregations. Paul instructed Titus to complete his assigned job of establishing uh, elders for the churches under his care. He described what sort of people these leaders should be and how all believers should live in relation to each other as well as in their interactions with non-believers. Proper, proper Christian behavior is based on the fact that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And therefore, those who believe in Christ are to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives as they await his return. Well, I think we've talked enough about the letter. Um, now I think we should let the word of God speak for itself, um, as is uh, our uh, model when we begin a letter. We are going to read it in its entirety. Hold on. It's a long three chapters. I think we'll make it. But for now, we ask the Holy Spirit, please, to speak through the public reading of his word. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable. the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, 
especially those of the circumcision party, must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away. To the pure, things are pure. And unbelieving, nothing is pure. But they hold, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything, They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, in godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hating, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, 
genealogies, and dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychius to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. So you can see we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of parallels to the letter, the first letter to Timothy. Um, I think it's going to be a wonderful and fruitful study. Um, but for now, we'll let the word of God speak for itself. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can just read it and it speaks for itself. So often we don't have to over explain things. But we trust your Holy Spirit to be our interpreter this morning. That these words would ring in our heart throughout the week as we begin this study. Lord, may these words be brought back to our mind often. That your Holy Spirit would continue to refine us uh, as individual disciples uh, and as a church family. Lord, we want to follow hard after you. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us. And that you would use us for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.